This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Recently, the CDC issued an update on how Americans should safely celebrate the upcoming holiday season. It included much of the same recommendations issued last year, including for opting for virtual celebrations and avoiding in-person gatherings. This, as more than half of the country right now, is considered fully vaccinated from the coronavirus. And our guest this past weekend on America's Roundtable, Dr. Monica Gandhi, Professor of Medicine and Associate Division Chief of Infectious Diseases at the University of California, San Francisco, stated, I quote, Telling everyone in 2021 that the only way to celebrate Christmas safely is virtually really doesn't tell the vaccinated that there was any kind of reward for being vaccinated. We have to work on optimism. We have to work on messaging that these vaccines get you back to normal and that actually sounded very much like we had not just spent the whole last year trying to get people vaccines. Unquote. Dr. Gandhi believes the CDC truly missed the mark on some of these important public health messaging. This past week, U.S. Senate reached a last-minute agreement to raise debt ceiling through early December. Hypothetically, if the debt ceiling was not raised, America would default on its obligations in less than two weeks. Raising the debt ceiling allows the U.S. Treasury to borrow additional funding needed to pay for its obligations. And as we discussed with our guests, including Maurice McTeague, a former New Zealand's government minister whose government balanced the budget, the decision about financing the government expenditures should have been done when passing the budget and answering the question, these are the government expenses that we shall have and how shall we pay for them? According to historic data, the U.S. government has a regular practice of raising the debt ceiling at the last minute. This past week, U.S. Secretary of the Navy Carlos del Toro in a speech told cadets that China would be the challenge that will define your naval careers. He went on to further state that Beijing is using its military leverage to, I quote, threaten its neighbors, challenge established norms, and attempt to control international waters as its own. Our job is to preserve the peace by making sure the People's Republic of China doesn't gain military leverage over the United States or our allies and partners, unquote. The Pentagon, in an annual report to Congress, stated that the PRC has the largest navy in the world with an overall battle force of approximately 350 ships and submarines, including 130 major surface combatants. In comparison, the U.S. Navy's battle force is approximately 293 ships as of early 2020. For decades, America's leadership has applied a long-standing policy to provide political and military support for Taiwan while not being clear about any promise to defend Taiwan from Chinese attack or invasion. 
While America has bases in neighboring countries, such as South Korea and Japan, the U.S. does not have a single base on Taiwan. As a background on the region, the United States regularly holds exercises in the region with allies, including a recent one involving 17 ships from six countries that took place northeast of Taiwan off the Japanese island of Okinawa at the same time as the Chinese flights south of Taiwan. An AP report this past week stated, and I quote, While Taipei and Washington have not had diplomatic relations since the U.S. switched ties to Beijing in 1979, U.S. law requires that Washington assist Taiwan in maintaining a defensive capability and treat threats to the island as a matter of grave concern. That has included sales of advanced radar systems, fighter jets, and warships that have angered China. Along with purchasing arms from the U.S., President Tsai Ing-wen has boosted the domestic military industry, particularly the development of submarines considered crucial to defense, but which Taiwan has been unable to buy from abroad due to Chinese pressure. Unquote. Indeed, America's citizens and elected officials ought to be concerned about China's provocations in the region, including its border clashes with India's military, which killed Indian soldiers, and the escalation of a record number of Chinese warplanes entering Taiwan's air defense zone. In a NPR report titled, Taiwan says tensions with China are at their worst in four decades. And I quote, Tensions between Taipei and Beijing are at their worst in more than 40 years, Taiwan's defense minister says, citing a recent increase in incursions by Chinese military aircraft into the island's air defense identification zone. Although no shots have been fired, Taiwan says that nearly 150 aircraft belonging to China's People's Liberation Army Air Force entered the zone in a four-day period beginning last Friday as part of what Taiwan calls a strategy of harassment. Taiwan is a self-governed island of about 24 million people off the Chinese coast that Beijing considers part of its territory, unquote. Indeed, America's ally Britain has recently been among the most engaged in the region, and they dispatched a carrier strike group on a 28-week deployment. It has stated that it is pursuing a tilt toward the Indo-Pacific recommended by a British government review of defense and foreign policy. America must remain vigilant, and its citizens and elected officials ought to be wary of China's ambitions in the Indo-Pacific region, the cyber attacks from the communist nation, and other serious concerns. When the question is raised if China is a friend or foe of America, the actions of the Chinese Communist Party and its leadership clearly state that China is no longer a friend of America, but increasing threat to free societies around the world. In my opening statement, I shared what U.S. Secretary of the U.S. Navy Carlos del Toro relayed in a speech to cadets by stating that China would be the challenge that will define your naval careers. Undoubtedly, we are entering a new phase, a cold war with China, and it will be vitally important to elect principal leaders across our nation to the halls of state legislatures and Congress courageous leaders who will stand up to the bullying efforts of China's Communist Party. According to the U.S. Department of Labor, American economy added 194,000 jobs in the month of September, which was the slowest job growth for the year. In comparison, 336,000 jobs were added in August. The unemployment rate fell. 
it was 4.8%, down from 5.2% in August. And this is due to the fact that some 180,000 workers who were previously looking for jobs exited the workforce and are now not counted as unemployed. So the falling unemployment data does not mean that more people are working, it merely means that less people are looking for jobs. On the other side, highly contagious Delta variant is also constraining companies to hire and take on new workers due to the potential supply chain disruptions. According to the Wall Street Journal, I quote, The figures add to evidence that fears about the coronavirus and global supply constraints continue to hold back the economic recovery. The biggest factor behind last month's weak payroll gain was a decline in public sector jobs, mainly at schools. Most schools have reopened to host classes in person after teaching online earlier in the pandemic, but COVID-19 outbreaks have led to temporary closures. Unquote. When we talk about tax policy, we should think about government collecting tax revenues in order to fund public expenditures. In general, federal governments collect taxes from income generated by corporations and individuals. And in Europe, there is a major sales tax, which is collected by the central government, also known as the value-added tax. This past week, we have followed two major news items related to income taxes. One was global minimum tax and the other was release of Pandora Papers. Global minimum tax refers to corporations and their tax avoidance, which is legal, while Pandora Papers mostly reveal tax evasion by individuals, which is illegal. Let us remember, tax avoidance is legal. Tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance is manifested by using legal loopholes to avoid paying taxes. The Biden administration spearheaded global minimum tax, which aims at introducing a global minimum corporate tax rate of 15%, which would result in no advantage of setting a company in a low-tax jurisdiction. Decades of tax competition among the countries led to reduced corporate taxes around the world, and America has been a laggard. Instead of reducing our corporate tax rate and closing all the loopholes, which would in the end result in higher tax revenues, America is asking other countries to introduce the minimum corporate rate so that we do not need to reduce our corporate rate, which is among the highest in the developed world. However, we have tax loopholes that other countries may not have. And in the end, we shall not raise additional tax revenue by keeping high corporate tax rate which is full of loopholes, as with cheese. As long as we keep tax loopholes and selective loopholes for the companies which are political campaign contributors, America's high corporate tax rate will not generate new tax revenues. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Serdorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.